right, welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I'm your host, Lauren Coletti. Thank you for joining me today on this Monday morning. Um, I hope everyone's doing well. This episode, I feel, is going to be kind of controversial because most people, when they hear that you've cheated, just trash you. But let's be real, I think it's like 50 to 60% of people will cheat or have cheated in their lifetime. So this isn't the place for judgment or for righteousness. Let me just start off by saying that. Um, As with any of my episodes, please proceed with self-introspection, a curious and open mind, and an open heart. So how is everyone doing? I hope everyone had a great weekend. My weekend was pretty fun. I went to the aquarium with my boyfriend and some friends. We tried to see a movie, but the person in front of us got the last ticket, so that was interesting. And yesterday, my boyfriend and I went to therapy, and we go to Kumpel's therapy once a month, and we've gone maybe like three times now, and I've found it to be pretty helpful, as well as just bringing us closer together and more intimacy and vulnerability. So today, I'm actually searching for sex therapists, because in the past, I used to go to sex therapy and many of you probably will be asking why does someone that wants to be a sex therapist have to go to sex therapy can't you just do it yourself nope that's like anything else it's so much easier to dole out advice and tell other people what they should do and how they should live their lives rather than taking that advice up ourselves Um, I used to go to a sex therapist and I stopped and now I think it's appropriate to go back because lately although my boyfriend is just great and I enjoy having sex with him I found the last couple of times I've been feeling very disconnected and detached and even feelings of resentment will pop up. So I'm going to go to sex therapy to kind of heal that interpersonal trauma, mostly revolving around sexual violence and abuse to make sex more pleasurable and a connective experience rather than feeling angry and objectified and used. Although I do feel like my entire relationship with Nick has been a very corrective experience and healing. Um, I still hold a lot of internalized beliefs formed around sex. And I'm talking about this, even though this is like kind of TMI and sharing my personal life. Although by now you should know that I'm not a private person whatsoever. I don't believe in like pretending everything's okay and acting a certain way and putting on a facade. Uh, We're all going through the same shit. So through talking about it and sharing my own story, it can kind of help to destigmatize it and reduce some shame around feeling alone. And that goes along with sex, right? Sex is one of the only things we're all doing or thinking about and nobody talks about. And I want to transition, although I have been transforming my relationship to my sexuality, I believe that healing sex is so powerful over feeling guilty or seeing sex as something taken from me and that I have to give my partner. And if I don't have sex with my partner, even though he says it's okay, I feel bad. And I still hold this ingrained obligation around sex that makes my relationship with myself super complicated. So I think that by working with a sexual um, certified counselor or therapist, I can help to see, like unpack those sexual blocks and debunk the sexual frustration that is really not serving my relationship. So in that, with today's episode, I want to talk about sexual needs and what happens when our needs are not being met. 
I've learned or I've believed that men cheat to get sexual needs met, whereas women cheat to get emotional needs met. And this has left me feeling very angry and irritated by men because I hold this like biased belief that emotional needs are superior to sexual needs and sexual needs are petty and selfish and one is to gain, whereas the other one is solely to feel more love. But I do recognize that this isn't true for everyone and what I'm saying today may not apply to you. So take it with a grain of salt, but these are just differences between the sexes and one doesn't necessarily trump the other. Men often, there's like a saying that says men feel love after sex, whereas women need to feel loved for sex. Um, And this has led me to have a difficult time because of my history and past trusting men. And unfortunately, this affects my relationship because my boyfriend identifies as a man and it's a challenge for me to believe that he's not like everyone else, Um, that he's not looking at other women or wishing I had a bigger butt or bigger boobs, that he wasn't wishing he was having sex with another girl or fantasizing about sleeping with someone else. And this mindset is not helpful whatsoever. It just causes neuroses and anxiety um, because it's just me projecting my shit onto him. This deeply held belief that I'll never be enough or men are never satisfied with what they have. They always want more. And a lot of women are taught this growing up. They are taught that men are animals that can't help themselves or can't control themselves. And we have to guard ourselves and protect against them whenever they're around. So we assume that whatever is true for us is true for other people in general, but this is far from the truth. Um, So in this episode, I'm going to share my own story surrounding this and analyze some of the more complex and complicated emotions around sexual needs and why people cheat. So stay tuned. All right. So let's try to dive into this infamous question of why people cheat. First, I want to share my own story with this. I'm not proud, but it got me to where I am today, and I don't think that anything is a mistake. I have little to no regrets in life because I truly trust that everything happens as it should, when it should, for our own highest evolution and growth. That being said, when I was 17, 18 potentially, I cheated on my boyfriend at the time, um, with someone that was very bad to me, someone that he was like the cool jock in high school. And I was just like head over heels, obsessed with him. And he would just use me for sexual favors. And I exploited myself by running to him when the opportunity presented itself and cheating on my boyfriend who he wasn't the best guy. Um, Not that that's an excuse, but he was very verbally and physically abusive to me. And I guess I was just feeling some type of way that when there was another temptation from this guy that I fantasized over, I took it. And I never told my boyfriend, but I broke up with him shortly after. So I do have experience on the side of the person that flees as well as being cheated on. And Let me just say that you can still be a good person and do bad things. Nobody is perfect, and we all have to make mistakes as a part of life. We're all prone and vulnerable to fucking up and giving into temptation if the timing and situation is quote-unquote right. 
or our emotions are out of whack and we're experiencing a moment of weakness. And like I said, this isn't to excuse this behavior, but I have found it helpful as someone who has cheated and someone who has been cheated on to recognize that nobody is safe from human nature. So if you've had thoughts of cheating or have actually cheated, you're not doomed forever. Give yourself a break. Your life's not over. But I would advise you to engage in self-study to examine and learn your behaviors, as well as analyze your patterns and dynamics in relationships so that you can get the appropriate help or gain the insight on how you wish to move forward. So with that being said, mutual trust, it's a hallmark of committed romantic relationships and is often but not always tied to confidence that a partner is both romantically and sexually faithful. But what do we do when that trust is violated? Because infidelity can wreak havoc on a relationship. Um, a lot of divorce and premarital breakups, it's the leading cause, infidelity. It could also trigger domestic violence and is a strong predictor of poor mental health like depression and anxiety. And these adverse consequences might suggest that people go to great lengths to avoid infidelity. Um, but that's not the case. And by some accounts, the lifetime prevalence of infidelity, according to my good old friend Google, is approximately 25% of marriages and men and women actually cheat at very similar rates. So given that infidelity produces a constellation of adverse consequences, yet people are known to cheat, the question becomes why? Why risk it? What are the motivations that lead to infidelity? And I've already done several episodes on how humans are non-monogamous and monogamy is a choice that you have to practice and a decision you have to um, implement daily, but that's not what this episode's going to focus on. I'm going to talk about what exactly it means to cheat because there's a common misconception that it's only men who step out and that women are always faithful. Um, but the truth is that approximately as many married heterosexual women cheat as men. So like I said, around 20% in marriages will actually engage in sexual activity outside of their primary relationship. Although these numbers are very likely underreported. So, you know, denial and confusion um, about what constitutes infidelity, especially in the digital era, should be looked at. So, for example, is it cheating if you look at porn? Is it cheating if you flirt on social media? Obviously, if you have a profile on Ashley Madison, <laughs> if you never hook up in person, is that not cheating? So, what does it mean to cheat? So, I looked this up online and I got this definition, which I agreed with, that cheating is the breaking of trust that occurs when you keep profound, meaningful secrets from a partner. So basically to me, infidelity is anything you're doing that you hope that your partner doesn't find out about, or you would not want your partner to know. Because we can all disagree or agree on what it means to cheat, but essentially it's to betray their trust. So first I'm going to discuss why do women cheat? And then I'll talk about why men cheat. Um, and then I'll talk about people in general, but it all kind of has the same genre. So typically, females step out on a committed partner for some of the following reasons. One, they feel underappreciated, neglected, ignored. They crave intimacy. They're overwhelmed by the needs of others, their caregiver. They're lonely. 
they expect too much from their partner. Uh, they're not having enough satisfying encounters at home. And the one that I resonate with is an like responding or reenacting early life trauma or past abuse. So as with male cheaters, women who cheat typically do not realize in the moment how it will affect not only their partner, but their relationship and themselves. Because cheating hurts men as much as it hurts women, although women are more likely to forgive and men are usually um, have a more significant grievance with it and are less likely to forgive. But the keeping of secrets in general, especially sexual secrets, damages trust um, and is painful regardless of, of gender. So let's go over why men cheat because some of the reasons overlap while others not so much. It's more physical or externally based or ego based. Um, and this isn't to make one more inferior or say that one is more right or excusable than the other. But I have found that men who cheat on a, a wife or a girlfriend tend to get like very creative when they explain why. Whereas women will blame themselves. A lot of times cheating men will say that their behavior doesn't really count because it didn't involve like actual sex or they'll blame others for their choices, such as their partner or other women. And I found that most of the reasons in the literature uh, researched on that cheating men used to justify is kind of fascinating because a lot of these reasons imply that the cheating was a solution to their life problems. So when confronted, a lot of people can actually minimize or rationalize and justify their behavior. I'm actually seeing this like on a show behind their her eyes on Netflix I started watching last night. Um, also in, I think, the name of the Netflix series was called The One. There was a lot of cheating in that show, and a lot of people tend to just blame it on others or say, I deserve to have fun, whatnot. So in like therapy business, a lot of this could come down to denial. And from a psychological perspective, denial is a series of internal lies and deceit people tell to make them their questionable behavior seem okay, at least in their own minds. So this is like self-deception. So you're supporting it with rationalizations or falsehoods. And in the eyes of an impartial observer, such as a therapist, a cheating man or person's denial typically looks about as solid as a house of cards in a stiff breeze. But these people will dodgingly insist that it was a rational, sound choice. But why? Like, why do men really cheat? Why do people cheat? And why does sometimes, like, they continue to cheat after they're caught, even in the face of, like, divorce or parental contact, loss of social standing? And the truth is, specifically with men, a lot of dynamics can play into this decision, but generally it's one of the following, like, factors that is their driving force. So immaturity. <laughs> This could be with women as well, just needing attention. But going back to men, I don't want to get sidetracked. As usual, two, co-occurring issues, such as a problem with alcohol or drugs. Three, insecurity. Four, lack of healthy male social support, toxic masculinity here, such as men normalizing infidelity. Five, confusion, confusion about commitment or if they're monogamous. Anger, revenge, unrealistic expectations, impulse, um, narcissism, 
selfishness, wanting your cake and eating it too, and going back to this trait, childhood abuse, such as watching your parents cheat growing up. That seems natural. You do, you do as you see, at least you tend to growing up because you learn that that's what is acceptable and that is your normal. So for most men, no single factor drives the decision. And sometimes the reason for infidelity like evolves as their circumstances change. But regardless of the reason, you don't have to do it. There's always other options. Um, a man always has a choice. A woman always has a choice. It, that doesn't necessarily involve degrading or potentially ruining your integrity and the life that you've built or created with another person. But still, it's helpful to know why this happened so that you could, you know, not repeat the behavior in the future. So why do people cheat in general? So we narrowed it down to these main traits, these main motives, um, men and women. So one, falling out of love for variety, feeling neglected or bored, situational forces to boost your self-esteem, out of anger, not feeling committed to, or because of sexual desire, good old sexual desire. So if a couple chooses to address the situation together, counseling obviously can turn a crisis into a growth opportunity. That's why I always suggest get into couples therapy or individual therapy sooner rather than later, because you don't want to go when it's too late and it can't be Result. And unfortunately, even when experienced therapists are extensively involved in committing healing couples, um, some people are unable to ever regain the necessary sense of trust and emotional safety required to make it together uh, because they'll keep holding it against each other or they'll keep snooping and whatnot. They can't get it out of their head. So for these couples, solid neutral relationship therapy can help. The people involved to process, you know, a long overdue goodbye. Sometimes it's easier to just cut it off, let it go, make amends and move on. But cheating doesn't have to be seen as the end of a relationship. Instead, it could be viewed as a test of its maturity and ability to weather the storm. So it's really a shift in perspective and you deciding, do we want to make this work or do we want to call it quits and you know, this breaks us. So it can make or break you. I have heard of situations where it makes the relationship stronger, but again, it really depends on the couple's commitment and how they each personally decide to feel moving forward. All right. Finishing up with this last little bit here. So as a general rule, as we can tell, the public does not look kindly upon cheaters. Not even repentant has been cheaters like me. So how many times have you heard the saying, once a cheater, always a cheater. Although statistics aren't super promising either. Apparently a study, an APA study done found that people with histories of infidelity are 3.5 times likelier to cheat in future relationships. And I was just like, great. Uh, so suffice it to say, I'm fully conscious of how I hurt my ex with my decision to cheat. Um, but please believe me when I say I do not ever intend to cheat again, but obviously I cannot guarantee this. And I really don't think that any of us can. Statistics also show that one in five people have reported cheating on a partner. Um, and there's some research being done to kind of steer it towards a person's genetics, which can play a role. But with that in mind, I wanted to leave you with a quick list of tips to help former cheaters like me stay faithful. 
Um, and it would be great if we could work together to make a new adage, something along the lines of once a cheater, never do anything so damn stupid again. <laughs> I like that more instead. That sounds better. It's a lot less shaming than the latter. So one, force yourself to pause. Two, learn your triggers. I think it's so crucial to figure out why you cheated in the first place in order to prevent it from happening again. And three, be honest with yourself. And on the flip side, if you are on the receiving end of this, how can partners of reformed cheaters build trust? So if your partner's cheated before, either in a past relationship or your current, trusting it won't happen again might be a struggle. In this case, it's important to understand that you are the one controlling your own narrative, but this narrative is only as true as you want it to be. And insecurities could easily lead to conflict and potentially even ruin the relationship. So don't jump to conclusions. Instead, focus on answers to questions that might help you feel better and reassured about your relationship and its future. And a great deal of this comes down to making sure you go about this with love and not anger or fear and anxiety at the forefront. Fear is understandable, but being accusatory and jealous is like putting your, it will put your partner on the defensive and keep you from getting the validation that you need. As you listen to the answers and have this discussion and communicate with your partner, look for signs about how self-aware and how much they take responsibility, how accountable they are. Relational self-awareness is, it's like an ongoing compassion and curiosity in your relationship that sets the stage and builds that foundation for a healthy relationship. Um, so it's key. Self-awareness is key to deciphering the answer to, can a cheater change? Relationally self-aware people take responsibility for their actions and they try to learn from their mistakes. They're inquisitive, they're insightful. But on the other hand, people who lack this awareness will fail to mention infidelity until it comes into the light or they might blame someone else or demonstrate that they have learned nothing as a result. So if your partner seems to lack this self-awareness, or they come across as it's not a big deal or dismiss it, heed caution. But if all is going well and you're both deeply committed to each other's well-being, past infidelity does not need to end a relationship. Because once a cheater, always a cheater is just a phrase. And if you and your partner are dedicated to nurturing your happy relationship, it doesn't need to be your reality. I went in and told my boyfriend from the start, from the get-go, when we started dating that I cheated a while back, like 10 years ago. And he said, I will trust you until you give me reasons not to. So it's really about giving people the benefit of the doubt until they prove you otherwise. So remember, all in all, sex should be enjoyable. And it's never your moral or civ civic duty to have sex, um, kind of going back to where I started in the beginning. I also think this is all interrelated and connected because it's helpful to try to meet our own needs rather than relying on others to get those needs met. You are not a failure for having thoughts of straying from your relationship. You might just subconsciously be trying to self-sabotage. So it's important to hold empathy, patience, and forgiveness for yourself and others. For the exes that cheated on me, I don't see them as bad people per se. I just view it as they weren't right for me. I also don't find it useful to obsess over whether or not our partner is being faithful to us. 
It's vital to rely on your own intuition. You know yourself. You're the best judge of your relationship. So turn to your inner compass and address your fears with your partner if this is the case. You can tell a lot by how receptive they are and how they listen to you and address it rather than place the blame on you or shrug it off. So I leave you with this. It's easy to want to leave a relationship past the honeymoon phase that takes active effort and hard work and dedication for something that's new and exciting and shiny and invigorating solely based on surface level chemistry and pheromones. But remember that the grass is always greener, perhaps where you choose to water it. Immediate gratification and external validation are fleeting. They'll only last so long. So I invite you to check in with your true self and self-assess. Turn inward and reflect on why you are doing what you are doing. What are you truly seeking? Now breathe, take a moment, and really listen.